0: Hello, everybody. Get ready. No parachutes. You're you're gonna just eat this up. And uh, John Wesley, you know, I've I've been I teach the the, the uh, theology of John Wesley. And John Wesley will be preaching this morning because virtually everything I'll say I've heard from Wesley. How about that? Somebody say Amen, Clem. If nobody else will. You say it, all right? Today's St. Patrick's Day, and I love the remembrance that we gave to him. He's one of, the, one of the great saints of the church. I do want to say a word of thanks to my uh, family. My wife came here as mentor in uh, callous Village and did a great and wonderful work, and she's my best friend. And my daughter there, my Catholic daughter, 100%. <laughs> She's a better Catholic than the Pope. <laughs> and, my, and my little grandson, also a Catholic, his name is Julian Martin. And Julian Martin is hearing his granddaddy preach the first sermon he's ever heard his granddaddy preach. So here we go. I also um, want to thank... Tim and Julie, we have so much in common. I'm the only person that has been the chaplain of Dr. Tennant twice. And, uh, and I have loved every minute of it, especially the time that we were here at Asbury Seminary from 11, uh, 2011 to 2015. I also want to thank Jessica and her team. I have never been written to, but when I've gone off to preach, I've never been written to as many times as I have by by the team thoroughly really jessica and the team i want to thank you and especially to jessica for letting me share her pulpit as well as the lord's pulpit. finally i want to thank clem coleman back there clem coleman is my was my mentor clem coleman taught me to be a disciple maker and that's what i've been ever since he had me at 5 30 in the morning in his uh, office to study God's word together. I also want to say that Clem Coleman was the first one that talked to me and talked to our class in the theology of evangelism about John Wesley's understanding of the Eucharist, of the Lord's Supper. Clem Coleman made the comment, by the way, there were 2000 years, almost 2000 years between the second great awakening and the, the first church of Jesus Christ in the Galilee. He told me then that he told us that there were probably more people converted in the service of the Eucharist at Holy Communion than any other place in history. Have you ever thought about that? I never had thought about it. None of us had. But you're about to hear about it. I've been asked to speak on the Eucharist today as a converting ordinance. I hope you won't be bored. If you are bored, I'm fired. (laughs) I want to start with a story. It's a story about a young man from Nepal. I was, um, I was studying. It was one of those hard days in PhD research. I was in the library at the University of Nottingham in Britain and bored to death with having to do so much on beautiful summer days. There are not many of those in England. And as I was going down to get coffee, I went down every few minutes. As I was going down to get coffee, there was a young fellow that walked up to me. We would pass each other on the stairway. Inevitably it was at the same time and he would do like this and say namaste. Well, I thought immediately that he was probably an Indian, but he was actually from Nepal. Uh, After several days of this, he found me in the library, came over, put his elbow on on the desk and said, who are you and what are you doing? And I said, I'm a, um, uh, a lad from America and I'm studying theology. And he said, what is theology? And I said, it's the knowledge of God. And he said, tell me all about God. Well, I started, but it, 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 you know, you don't really, when a person who's never heard anything of the gospel, it takes a while. In fact, it took two years. My wife adopted, Dev and his wife, our church, Asbury Methodist Church, which is, by the way, the first church in the global Methodist church to actually organize in that, under that name. Uh, We, our, the church actually brought over his family, and we adopted the family. Now, we loved them. That was the most important thing. And occasionally, I'd get in a word here or a word there. And one night, two years after we met Dev, he said, I want to go. Are you, are you speaking anywhere? And I said, yeah, I'm speaking at the Methodist Youth Fellowship out in so-and-so. He said, well, I want to go with you. I preached on Zacchaeus. And what it meant that Jesus invited himself, which he has this morning, by the way, invited himself to dinner. And Zacchaeus heard the word. We don't know anything. I'd give a million dollars to hear what Jesus said over the table. But there they were. And Zacchaeus came out more than just a tax collector. And Jesus said, this man is a son of Abraham and he always was. This man is a son of Abraham and, he, and Zacchaeus gave the biggest tax break you ever heard in your life. You see, well, I preached that on a Saturday night and then he said on the way home, I wanna to go to church with you, first time. I wanna to go to church with you. I took him to the University of Nottingham to the university church, the student church. And the head of the department where Deb was getting his PhD was giving his testimony, the providence of God. eh? And Deb was, was enamored really. And then it was, the church was packed. It was back during the Jesus revolution. They had that in Britain too. The church was packed. People were sitting in the aisles, a a full orchestra was playing. I mean, it was perfect to get saved in that context. Well, old Deb, bless his heart, when it came to communion, he turned over to me and he said, what are they doing? And I said, they're going to Zacchaeus' table. Every church has Zacchaeus' table in it. And he said, I'm going. And I said, I pulled him back down to the pew and I said, when you eat the bread, ask Christ into your heart. And when you drink the cup, ask the lord to forgive your sins and he did two weeks later he was baptized into the church of england and you can just expect now listen to this the church of england pastor came to me he was a sweet guy and a real evangelical too and he said it's a little strange isn't that he had the lord's supper before he was baptized i said jesus loved it john he said well i do too and he was baptized at the church in Nottingham. Oh my God, it was a great thing. Now are you ready? Can you stand this? Dev Dangal became the minister of education in the country of Nepal. Well, that's a story. I could sit down right now. You've heard really what it's all about. The risen Christ was there, wasn't he? The sacrament of Holy Communion by itself didn't do anything. It was Christ who was there. The risen Christ who was there. And the risen Christ had an appointment that he knew about with Dev Dongal. And the risen Christ met him at his table. Do you have any problem with that? Can you imagine Jesus Christ giving a banquet in his own name and not showing up? Didn't he promise, wherever you go, I'll go with you. I'll be there, he said. Where two or three are gathered together, I'll be there in your midst. He actually said that before he was raised from the dead in the 18th chapter of Matthew. Where two or three, if he can be everywhere else in the church, in the pew, in the pulpit. Why shouldn't he be at the table? Can you imagine Jesus Christ giving us an analogy about himself? I am the bread of life. And when he at, at the Passover, when he gives us the bread and says, this is my body and this is my blood, that he wouldn't use it as a way of communing himself to the church. Do you have any trouble with that? You better not have are you going to miss this morning Wesley had no problem with it all I have to say it's the Wesley is the next book after the book of Revelation in this seminary (laughs) Wesley had no problem at all with it he believed in the real presence of a the real presence of a real encounter with God at the table I got I got that from James right but i've put it in the mouth of john wesley all my ministry he believed in the the eucharist as a converting ordinance where people could come and find christ personally he believed that it was a means of grace that is the the text reads actually in the prayer book under the it's our our uh, affirmation of faith as well we we got it from the episcopalians he Mr. Wesley read and believed what it says there, that it's an outward sign of an inward grace. I've heard that all my life. There's more to it than that. And the next line reads, a sure and certain means by which that grace is offered and received. You see? That's more than just outward for inward. Dr. Tennant believed that. He believed it from years and years ago and put it on the front of the table. My grandmother, God lover, Daisy Lanier, I asked her one time as a little boy, about well, I wasn't little, I was 14 years old. I asked my grandmother, what what do Methodists believe about the Lord's Supper? And she kind of shook her head and she said, it's always been too difficult for me to understand she said i know we believe uh, we don't believe as much as the catholics but we believe more than the baptist <laughs> and she said i guess i guess robert she said it's what it says on the front of the table this do in remembrance of me it's just a remembrance look at the difference that's the text this morning remember jesus christ risen from the dead all right i want to say a few more things about remembrance when christians remember they don't just remember in their heads they remember in encounter jesus christ is present at his table we remember him who told us to remember in his presence and jesus is present there not alone but with all his history in him did you hear that he is the virgin birth you don't have to shut your eyes and think back on bethlehem he is the virgin birth he is the healer he is the teacher he is the crucified god he is the risen savior He is the ascended one, and he is the coming king. There's the remembrance. We don't remember in abstraction. We remember in encounter. What did Wesley say? The real presence of a real encounter. A sure and certain means by which grace is offered and received. Suddenly you see, Grandma, sorry, suddenly it's not just a memory in your head. It's a presence at the table. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Somebody say amen. Clem, you say it, will you? A means of grace. I want to say a few words about that. It's it's not just unmerited favor. I've heard that all my life. That's not sufficient. It's not just God's unwavering, unmerited favor towards the world. It's not just God's attitude. It's God's self-giving in Jesus Christ. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said. It's genitive, by the way. It is Jesus Christ doing his thing in the church. It's not just the gifts of Christ. Calvin mistook that. Anytime I can say Calvin mistook, I'll get an amen. (laughs) It's not just a what. It's a who. It's not just the giver, but the giver too. Amen? You see? Now let me say a word about faith. Faith, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. It's interesting that we really don't go to communion that way, do we? that that word that Paul said to us about worthiness, I I want to say something unequivocally. When Paul says you must not take communion unworthily, let me tell you what really matters. You're going to miss it if you deny the grace that's here. But more than that, worthiness before God is knowing your unworthiness. So come unworthy today. Come receiving today and you'll receive in in good order. Not a what, but a who. That's the definition of grace. And then let me say a word about faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Grace, that is Jesus Christ, comes to the table to be received by faith. Faith doesn't make Christ present here, but faith apprehends him. Faith receives him. Indeed, Christ is here to create faith. Now, what does that say? Now, you're going to get nervous on me. God wants the faithless here. Jesus Christ comes to those without faith to make faith, to create faith. Christ welcomes the faithless. He loves their company, and he'll work on them here. Mr. Wesley, unlike the Reformers, Mr. Wesley believes in open communion. There's a young man looking in right now from Bristol, England, that I discipled years ago from Asbury, writing a Ph.D. on open communion. His name is Parnell Crabtree, Jonathan Parnell Crabtree. Jonathan is is studying that right now, and he and I talked yesterday. We did find one person in, in history that that believed in open communion, particularly in America. Perhaps there were other places, but in America there was a Puritan. I'm sure he's kin to, to Dr. Tennant. Uh, Dr. Tennant is kin to the was to the founder of Princeton Seminary. Can you? It was his grandfather, and here he is a Methodist dr. goddard was his name and uh, dr. goddard taught this in the in the beginning of the 18th century the 1700s i wonder if john wesley knew about this john wesley opens the table can you imagine if jesus christ is really here like the preacher this morning is saying like john wesley said long ago If Jesus Christ is really here, can you imagine him turning sinners away? Can you imagine? If Jesus is here, he wants everyone here, but especially sinners, because those are the ones on his heart. I'm sure everybody here is not a sinner, but you'll be offered the bread and the wine in just a few moments. I said that Jesus Christ creates faith. Did you know that Susanna Wesley had no assurance of her faith in Jesus Christ? She had wrestled with it so long and she received at communion one day served by her son-in-law who she didn't like. Susanna Wesley received the assurance of her salvation at the table of the Lord. Jesus is here to create faith as well as to be received the assurance of faith Jesus had a way of helping faith too. This, I just love this Jesus had Jesus knew that our faith needed help it needed stairs to climb as it were he gave he, he believed that faith needed something to do and something to touch what did Jesus say to the man by the by the uh, the pool take up your bed and walk there's the do right? Take up your bed and walk. What did he say to the lepers? Go and show yourself. They were healed on the way. What did he say to the man who was born blind? Go and wash yourself. Go, he said. And then something to touch. He laid his hands on the leper with spittle and clay in the ears and the eyes of the blind and the deaf and the waters of baptism his disciples baptized by the way faith needs something to do and something to touch oh i forgot one take the do. take eat the touch the woman with the issue of the blood of blood is a great example of that isn't it the woman she she had courage uh she had courageous faith she wasn't welcome in the crowd she'd heard that Jesus was there but she never dreamed that she could get as close as she did and even then she didn't get quite close enough as we think close, Jesus was about to make up the distance. She crowded her way through. She pressed her way through. All the ones that were cursing her, she just went through anyway. Faith needs something to do. And then what did she do? She reached out and she touched. The hem of his garment? Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power go out from me. It wasn't the touch. It was the man. But when she touched something that touched him, she touched him. And that's what this is. Something to do and something to touch." So, eating and drinking then becomes acts of faith, doesn't it? Points of contact for the releasing of faith. We have a friend, an evangelist, that made that a whole ministry. Points of contact where we release faith. Eating and drinking becomes acts of faith, you see. If you believe this, can can you imagine if you believe what the preacher this morning has been saying no no if you believe what Wesley really believed about the Eucharist can you imagine just having it once a month Tim Tennant didn't put that on the front of this table just for you to look at but for you to think about meditate on and go to daily communion as often as you can john wesley went to communion five times the last week he was dying of tuberculosis why did he go the Methodists crossed parish lines went from church to church from parish to parish to receive communion against the the protocol of the church of england who cares if jesus is in the parish next go there in that way it's a tragedy really in the great in the um, in in revivalistic methodism and i'm a child of revivalistic methodism that we haven't studied more on the great invitation of christ to his church come and eat remember what clem said come eat drink dev ask christ to come in your heart when you eat the bread ask jesus to cleanse to cleanse you when you drink the cup let's take it back to our churches back to our denominations what it means that christ is truly at the table if you believe this go out and do it go out and preach it the rest of your life but not just communion but christ at the table jesus christ risen from the dead right here This morning Augustine said Christians in the early church received the Eucharist every day before work dr. Tennant initiated daily communion for you and for me all right I haven't looked at my watch it doesn't matter right now I'm gonna read you a story I started out with Dev just listen to this this is a story from the first year that ellen and i were married in 1976 and it's it illustrates the converting ordinance the means of grace as much as anything i think possible it's called an unexpected dinner this, someday this will be in a book maybe if i live long enough to write one i don't know i hated to burden my new bride ellen with a surprise dinner guest But there was a young man in my office this was at oru i knew needed a taste of our family that evening we'd only been married a few weeks actually just a couple weeks i knew she wasn't prepared but i was hopeful she would understand this was the first time i'd done this to her but it wouldn't be the last time i was the chaplain of a midwestern university and had picked up a late phone call after the rest of the staff had gone. When he entered my my office, I knew from the tortured look on his face that it was serious. It really was. For over an hour, he poured out his involvement in male prostitution at a premier hotel in the city, among the city's wealthiest people. He choked on his tears, truly broken by the life he was living, and likewise seriously desiring to break with it. He was getting $600 a trick. He wasn't a homosexual, by the way. He just knew how to make money with his body. I was stunned, can you imagine? At this point in my young ministry, I'd heard of such things, but I couldn't imagine one of our students being caught up in it. Lost for words, I reached for my Bible, hoping to find an appropriate word. The only scriptures I could think of with prostitutes had Jesus sharing his grace and forgiveness with them. I was really struggling to find something to say, to say that would help this young man awkwardly we prayed together precisely what he had expected the chaplain to do but we both knew more had to be said and more had to be done embarrassed at my ineptitude i excused myself for a moment that's when an idea hit me i went to the receptionist desk and phoned my wife to say that there was a student in trouble in my office one who didn't need to eat at the dining hall when i returned he was weeping overcome with his own confession i, I comforted him and suggested he come home with me for dinner he reluct- reluctantly agreed on the way to the parking lot we bro- both grew quiet unsure of what to say then he followed me home on his harley davidson 300. as we entered the apartment We were both startled to find that the table wasn't set for dinner as we expected. Ellen had covered the table with our finest linen cloth, a silver goblet of wine rested on it, as well as a silver plate with bread. She even had candles burning. We had received those candles at our wedding, first time. Ellen emerged from the kitchen, and I made the introductions, and she seemed overjoyed to have Steve with us. That's not his name. As startling as the whole evening must have been, he didn't hesitate to take his seat with us. He ran to the table. Looking at the elements of communion, I led a prayer of thanks to the Father, invoking the Spirit that Jesus might come and speak the words he spoke to another, on another night, to disciples who were about to do dark things. This is my body for you, Steve. This is my blood poured out for you, for the entire world, and for your sins. Jesus spoke those words that night, words that I couldn't find anywhere else. And with the words, he came himself in mercy to help our newfound friend. His presence was palpable around the table as Steve was deeply touched by God's forgiveness and his newfound acceptance at the table of mercy. Oh, we got around to the other meal, Ellen, but neither of us can remember what she said or what she served that night. What I do recall was the laughter around the table, the hope and the love we all shared, all because of the first course that God served us that night. I love you guys, It was a wonderful thing to be. I hope you never, ever go to communion again without meeting the risen Savior. And just to cover the distance, the book right after Revelation is of course the sermons of John Wesley and his journal. On the back of your bulletin, I believe, is a wonderful passage in which John Wesley says everything that I just said to you. Glory be to God. Amen.